The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It's Monday, January 16th, 2023. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, some projects that will help you suss out the truth in movies that claim to be based on a true story. Plus, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s most controversial speech. Here's some cool stuff for your ride home. Regular listeners of the show will know there are a few things that I really love. Among them are history, as well as movies, and getting to the bottom of things. So I was thrilled today to stumble upon a sadly now defunct, but no less useful for the period it covered, series from The Guardian called Real History. That's R-E-E-L, like a film reel. Real History by historian and screenwriter Alex von Tunzelman. It was a series that ran from 2008 to 2016, encompassing over 300 movies and examining their factual history with regards to the time period they were set in or the historical event or person they purported to be telling the tale of. Von Tunzelman tackled classics like Chariots of Fire, as well as then-recent movies like Zodiac and even more light-hearted movies like Disney's Mulan. Von Tinselman would analyze each movie based on a handful of factors unique to that movie. For example, Zodiac's categories included crimes, suspects, and murder, and then gave the movie an overall grade for history, as well as one for entertainment. I'll put a link to the full series on The Guardian's website if you want to search around for some of your favorite movies or bookmark it to read after watching various classics and blockbusters from the 2008 to 2016 era. Now, I learned about this series via film producer and Blacklist founder Franklin Leonard, who today, for reasons that will be immediately clear, re-upped a thread of his from 2019 about the historical accuracy of the 2014 Ava DuVernay film Selma. A reminder for those listening in the future that today in the U.S. is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, a.k.a. a day rife with misleading and at times exploitative claims about Dr. King's values and the civil rights movement overall. Hence, Leonard re-upping his thread to remind folks that Selma is an excellent source of information for anyone looking to further their education of the civil rights movement. Selma faced some backlash when it came out, specifically from former aides to President Johnson, who claimed that the president was depicted too harshly in the film. From von Tunzelman's analysis, the film, including its depiction of the relationship between President Johnson and Dr. King, got a solid A for accuracy. But you don't just have to take her word for it. The data visualizers over at Information is Beautiful included Selma in their analysis of the accuracy of 18 different movies supposedly based on true stories. Selma ranked number one with a 100% truth rating. 
Now, they have three different settings of analysis, and Selma gets 100% on both the lightest and middle analysis, but does drop down to 81.4% for the strictest, only the absolute truth setting. However, it remains in the lead of all the other movies, even on that strictest setting. And if you want to see their receipts for Selma or any of the other movies, which include The Wolf of Wall Street, 12 Years a Slave, The Social Network, Bohemian Rhapsody, and more, they also have made available their spreadsheet, which goes scene by scene for every movie, citing the real facts behind every single scene. It is a beast of a project and very, very cool to check out. Both the Information is Beautiful and Real History series, links in the show notes, are no longer updating, so if any of you listening are aware of any current projects like these ones, please do let me know because I would love to follow them. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Well, as I alluded to in that last segment, on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, we're always treated to a parade of corporate brand accounts and government agencies posting social media graphics with the most inoffensive and punitively inspiring of Dr. King's quotes, often removed from the full context of their origin, and even more frequently posted by organizations that Dr. King himself may not have considered aligned with his values, something his daughter Bernice King is often quick to point out on Twitter. One of the most egregious rewritings of Dr. King's legacy is that his definition of nonviolence meant inaction, and that his definition of peace meant being apolitical. Dr. King had a lot to say about the harm done by remaining silent. But rather than try to interpret his words myself, I thought I would yield the remaining time of the podcast today to Dr. King himself. I want to share some selections from his 1967 speech, Beyond Vietnam, A Time to Break Silence, which he delivered at Riverside Church in New York City and which was written by historian and lay minister Dr. Vincent Harding. This is considered the most controversial of Dr. King's speeches. He lost a lot of mainstream support after this speech, and some, even within the civil rights movement, mostly white allies, considered it a tactical misstep to try to tie that movement to the anti-war one. Others, however, applauded the effort and the ensuing anti-war work done by Dr. King in the final year of his life. The largest middle chunk of the speech gets fairly granular on the ills of the Vietnam War specifically and Dr. King's suggestions for ending it, so what I want to share here is some of the beginning and the end of the speech, some selections which I think still resonate today. Themes of peace, of revolution, of power, of political responsibility, of compassion, and of what has become one of President Biden's favorite lines, the soul of America. So here is Dr. King in 1967, courtesy of the Internet Archive. 
for those who ask the question of you a civil rights leader, and thereby mean to exclude me from the movement for peace, I have this further answer. In 1957, when a group of us formed the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, we chose as our motto to save the soul of America. We were convinced that we could not limit our vision to certain rights for black people, but instead affirmed the conviction that America would never be free or saved from itself until the descendants of its slaves were loosed completely from the shackles they still wear. In a way, we were agreeing with Langston Hughes, that black bard of Harlem, who had written earlier, Oh yes, I say it plain, America never was America to me, and yet I swear this hope, America will be. Now it should be incandescently clear that no one who has any concern for the integrity and life of America today can ignore the present war. If America's soul becomes totally poisoned, part of the autopsy must read Vietnam. It can never be saved so long as it destroys the deepest hopes of men the world over. So it is that those of us who are yet determined that America will be are loud, are led down the path of protest and dissent, working for the health of our land. It is with such activity in mind that the words of the late John F. Kennedy come back to haunt us. Five years ago, he said, those who make peaceful revolution impossible will make violent revolution inevitable. Increasingly by choice or by accident, this is the role our nation has taken, the role of those who make peaceful revolution impossible by refusing to give up the privileges and the pleasures that come from the immense profits of overseas investments. I am convinced that if we are to get on the right side of the world revolution, we as a nation must undergo a radical revolution of values. We must, rapidly begin, we must rapidly begin the shift from a thing-oriented society to a person-oriented society when machines and computers, profit motives and property rights are considered more important than people, the giant triplets of racism, extreme materialism and militarism are incapable of being conquered. A true revolution of values will lay hand on the world order and say of war, this way of settling differences is not just this business of burning human beings with napalm, filling our nation's homes with orphans and widows, of injecting poisonous drugs of hate into the veins of peoples normally humane, sending men home from dark and bloody battlefields physically handicapped and psychologically deranged, cannot be reconciled with wisdom, justice, and love, a nation that continues year after year to spend more money on military defense than on programs of social uplift 
is approaching spiritual death. It is a sad fact that because of comfort, complacency, a morbid fear of communism, and our proneness to adjust to injustice, the Western nations that initiated so much of the revolutionary spirit of the modern world have now become the arch anti-revolutionaries. This has driven many to feel that only Marxism has a revolutionary spirit. Therefore, communism is a judgment against our failure to make democracy real and follow through on the revolutions that we initiated. Our only hope today lies in our ability to recapture the revolutionary spirit and go out into a sometimes hostile world declaring eternal hostility to poverty, racism, and militarism. This powerful commitment we shall boldly challenge the status quo and unjust mores, thereby speed the day when every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill shall be made low. Yes. Crooked shall be made straight and the rough places plain. We still have a choice today, nonviolent coexistence, a violent co-annihilation. We must move past indecision to action. We must find new ways to speak for peace in Vietnam and justice throughout the developing world, a world that borders on our doors. We do not act. We shall surely be dragged down the long, dark, and shameful corridors of time, reserved for those who possess power without compassion, might without morality, and strength without sight. Now let us begin. Now let us rededicate ourselves to the long and bitter but beautiful struggle for a new world. This is the calling of the sons of God, and our brothers wait eagerly for our response. Shall we say the odds are too great? Shall we tell them the struggle is too hard? Will our message be that the forces of American life militate against their rivalous poor men, and we send our deepest regrets? Will there be another message of longing, of hope, of solidarity with their yearnings, of commitment to their cause, whatever the cost? The choice is ours, and though we might prefer the wise, we must choose and crucial moment of history when history is that noble bard of yesterday, James Russell Lowell, eloquently stated, once to every man and nation comes a moment to decide in the strife of truth and falsehood for the good or evil side, some great cause, God's new Messiah, often eats the gloom of light, and the choice goes by forever twixt that darkness and that light, though the cause of evil prosper, yet this truth alone is strong. Though her portion be the scaffold, and upon the throne be wrong, yet that scaffold sways the future. Behind the dim unknown standeth God within the shadow, keeping watch above his own. And if we will only make the right choice, we will be able to transform this pending cosmic elegy 
into a creative storm of peace, we will make the right choice. We will be able to transform the jangling discords of our world into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. We will but make the right choice. We will be able to speed up the day all over America and all over the world when justice will roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. If you want to learn more about or refresh your memory on even more about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and his legacy, I'll put links in the show notes to episodes that I've done in the past about the FBI spying on Dr. King, Coretta Scott King's influence on his work, and his early childhood name change. But that will all be it from me for today. This show was produced by Ride Home Media. I'm Jackson Bird, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow.